You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' loss in Nashville, including that disastrous first period, plus what to do with Perfetti's contract, and a look ahead to a big back-to-back on the weekend. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, a big time divisional matchup turned out to be a bit of a dud from the Jets side of things. All thanks to a tough, tough start and a 5-2 loss to the Predators in Nashville on Thursday A game the Jets really needed, but a game that ended up being pretty much decided after 20 minutes. Nashville roared out to a 3-0 lead, and the Jets couldn't dig themselves out of that hole. And speaking of holes, the Jets, if you could believe this or not, I, I don't know if anybody would have predicted this before the season started. But the Winnipeg Jets are now staring at a... 13 freaking point hole when it comes to the second place Nashville Predators in the Central Division. Now the Jets do hold six games in hand, but I mean, even winning all six of those, the Jets wouldn't be able to catch the Nashville Predators. So a really tough game from a standings perspective. But on top of that, a a really disappointing one to watch, especially when it came to that first period, because the Jets were just so severely overwhelmed by the speed and the pressure that the Predators gave. And I mean, there was no answer for it. And the Jets were just swimming upstream, basically from puck drop, and then it continued throughout that opening 20 minutes. Now, I mean, you got to credit Nashville a little bit here. That looked like the Preds circa 2017-18. I mean, they were flying and and had an excellent start, no doubt about it. But it's not like they reinvented the wheel or anything like that when it came to playing attacking hockey. I mean, the Jets should have been more than equipped to handle the pressure, knowing that that was what Nashville was going to bring to the table. The Preds love, they've all, I mean, it, it feels like their whole franchise history But even recently, they love to activate their defensemen. They love to have their blue line jump up into the play. Any chance they get, they're sending one of them onto the rush. I mean, it's usually Roman Yossi. But they're always sending defensemen into the play to try to create odd man opportunities going the other way. It's extremely effective when it comes to the rush. And the Jets gave up way too many chances there. I mean, it led to a couple goals for Nashville. In the offensive zone as well, Nashville always has... 
their defensemen pinching along the boards, even going as, as far down low to the corner. And the Jets turn it over a handful of times there, leading to extended pressure. And, and the forecheck for the Preds as well was a constant struggle for Winnipeg to handle. They didn't handle it, right? Like, it was pressure in all three phases of the ice, and the Jets were just way, way too slow to react to any of that. And, and that's the result you're going to get if, if you fail to react to Nashville. I mean, the game basically being over after just 20 minutes in. Uh, now, the Jets very briefly, very briefly looked like they might make a game out of it early in the second with a 5-on-3 goal there, but couldn't capitalize on the power play that came after that, couldn't capitalize on a couple of other power plays early on and then into the third period as well. And once Nashville made it 4-1, to it was basically over at that point officially. I, I mean, I, I don't really put a ton of stock into third period to that point, down three. I mean, the Jets should and, and will and obviously did control the shot clock from that point on. But, I mean, most teams up three, they're going to sit back. You know, play things safe, and when you're the Predators, you're going to let UC Soros take things from there and basically shut the door. And God, that is frustrating, isn't it? Right? It's unfair that Nashville gets to go from Pecorine right to UC Soros and they don't miss a beat in the goaltending department. But, I mean, that's an aside. But despite the big difference in shots favoring the Jets in the game overall, I mean, the Preds did the work throughout the first 40, and they were more than deserving of the win. Definitely earned it, but like I said... I expected better out of Winnipeg. You know, a huge game like that, divisional matchup, you know, a chance to trim the Predators' lead and and really, you know, look down on teams in the playoff race instead of looking up at half the Western Conference. And they come out with just a really, really poor effort and, and basically bury themselves after 20 minutes. Really disappointing overall by the Jets. Now, as far as the time on ice went in this one, some interesting decisions from Dave Lowry. Now, some that have been the same <laughs> as they have been for a long time here in Winnipeg, but just interesting that, you know, as we get more and more games under his belt as a head coach for the Winnipeg Jets, that interesting things are continuing to remain the same, but also some changes that we saw throughout the lineup as well. Now, what hasn't changed for Winnipeg is, once again, the over-reliance on... I guess the top line or the top six, and basically the elimination of the team's fourth line. Now, now, I mean, there were some extenuating circumstances in this one because Svechnikov is coming off an injury, getting back into the lineup. He only plays three, three-plus minutes on the night. But even aside from that, Dominic Toninato gets just under seven, and Jansen Harkins gets just over seven minutes of ice time. I thought Jansen Harkins looked really good, too. I mean, he was flying early on, had a couple of great chances. I was surprised that Harkins didn't get a little more ice time in the game, but a lot of similarities to when Paul Maurice was running the bench, right? Like the fourth line not really getting a whole ton of ice time, and that you're seeing a whole whack of it handed out to the team's top forwards I mean the team's top offensive forwards at least I mean Kyle Connor getting 25 minutes of time on ice Mark Shifley also again getting 25 minutes of time on ice and none of that was shorthanded as well by the way while Kyle Connor had a minute and 40 of shorthanded time on ice it was just noticeable to me after the game seeing that Mark Shifley plays you know 25 minutes and in the defensive zone, time and time again, he's flying the zone anytime the Jets get a hold of the puck. I mean, three forwards were constantly up near the blue line because 
you know, that line centerman is looking for offense when he should be looking for his man down low, close around the net. And the Predators got a decent amount of scoring chances once again with Mark Shifley on the ice. Whereas Pierre-Luc Dubois, on the other hand, especially later on in the game, right beside Connor Hellebuck, clearing guys out in front of the crease, doing what a centerman should do, yet he's not getting the most time on ice. On top of that, too, he's continuing to lead this team offensively as far as players not named Kyle Connor. So, I don't know. It's a little bit frustrating looking at the forward time on ice and thinking to yourself, how much have things really changed now that Paul Maurice is gone? There's there's a lot of similarities to how this team played against the Predators as to how they've played for large chunks of time under Paul Maurice. So, something to keep an eye on as we move forward here, but I don't know if we should expect any change when it comes to Mark Scheifele's time on ice, as well as his commitment to defensive play as the season moves along here. Would be nice, but I don't know if we should expect a whole lot of change there. Now, one thing that did change as far as time on ice and was pretty intriguing to me, when you look at the defense core, I mean, Josh Morrissey, a ton of minutes, a big game for him getting 26 minutes, but for the first time since Dylan Sandberg entered the lineup, he didn't play the least amount when it came to Jets Blue Liners. Dylan Sandberg gets 14 minutes. Logan Stanley is the one that got just 10 minutes of time on ice in this one. So you do wonder a little bit here is, you know, maybe Dave Lowry starting to favor Dylan Sandberg a bit more over Logan Stanley. If there's someone to come out of the lineup for, say, Billy Hanela, could it be? Big Stan instead of Dylan Sandberg. I know Sandberg, you know, over the past several games has played beside Neil Pionk, but he wasn't getting a whole ton of ice time, really more of a, a sheltering for Dylan Sandberg over his first couple of NHL games. Logan Stanley was still playing, you know, 14, 15, 16 minutes a night, but that flip-flopped here. So I, I'm intrigued to see if that's going to continue into the next game Saturday afternoon against Boston. I mean, I, I don't really see a way Vili Hainala enters the lineup outside of injury or, or a COVID absence, but maybe Dylan Sandberg for the time being has jumped big stand on the depth chart. And you know what? When Brendan Dillon comes back, should be a pretty interesting decision that Dave Lowry will have on his hands. A couple of big blue liners, both lefties. Who knows? Maybe a, a couple more strong games for Dylan Sandberg might cement himself as a regular for the time being on the Winnipeg Jets blue line. Now that's going to do it for us as far as the game against the Predators. Still a little bit more to come in the episode here. We got to talk about the back-to-back upcoming, a brutal, a brutal end to this road trip for the Jets uh, against a couple of really, really strong Eastern Conference teams. And we'll talk about the Lion King once again here, a decision, another decision on tap for Jets management when it comes to Cole Perfetti. But first, we do got to give a quick shout-out To our friends over at DraftKings, DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And after a super wildcard weekend, what a week it was. My Eagles didn't even stand a chance, weren't even competitive the entire game. I totally enjoyed watching that one. But now that wildcard weekend is in the books, the divisional round is here. Exciting times, exciting matchups as well in DraftKings is here to help you win some money as well. Because this week, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. That's right, any team. Kansas City, Green Bay, 
Tennessee with Derrick Henry back, bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. And remember, too, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. DraftKings has huge cash prizes with their daily fantasy football contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Alright, so we mentioned Cole Perfetti there, another solid game from the youngster, we might just have to get used to that by the way. But no points, but he looked good. He looked dangerous again. I think starting to gain the trust of Dave Lowry a little bit more as well, playing almost 17 minutes in this one. So a big bump in responsibility for the kid. But he looked good. I mean, he was really noticeable on the power play. A great a great toe drag around a Predators defenseman, a shot on goal. UC Saros had to make a nice stop on that. You know, once again, he's popping off the page each and every night that he's in the Winnipeg Jets lineup. But interestingly, assuming he gets into both games, I don't know why he wouldn't at this point, but assuming he gets into both games this weekend, Cole Perfetti will have played seven on the season. And a decision is going to have to be made pretty quickly here by the Winnipeg Jets, because as most of us know, if you don't know though, once he reaches the nine game mark, the ELC officially kicks in and the clock starts ticking as to Cole Perfetti you know, getting onto that first RFA deal and then eventually hitting unrestricted free agency seven years from now. So, obviously, Jets management has gone through the scenarios in this. And, I mean, really, look, they've gone through the scenarios, but there's really two options here for the Winnipeg Jets, right? Either you let Cole Perfetti just continue to play out the rest of the season, where he fits in the lineup, who knows, but he gets experience and hopefully helps the Jets out in a playoff push. Or... You send him back to the Moose, he dominates in the AHL, you get an extra year of cap savings, and then he's a full-time NHLer going into next season. For me, this is becoming really not much of a debate, and I'll be really disappointed if the Jets go in the opposite direction. And I think a lot of fans feel this way. But I just don't get how it makes sense to not give Cole Perfetti more than nine games this season. You burn that first year of the ELC this year, and you lose a little bit of cap flexibility, I guess, three years from now. I mean, first and foremost, Cole Perfetti is clearly one of the best 12 forwards in the Jets organization right now. And after each passing game, it's it's getting closer to the best nine and then the best six forwards in the team's organization, right? But, I mean, if you're a team that's in a, a bit of a win-now window, if you want to call it that with the Jets, you kind of owe it to yourselves to put your best players out there on the ice. And he's contributing in a meaningful role right now. We'll see how that changes when Wheeler and then eventually Ehlers come back into the lineup, but... To me, there's no reason why Cole Perfetti can't continue playing somewhere inside the Winnipeg Jets' top nine, especially if he's playing at the level that he has over the past 
two or three games, right? Like he's, I, I only think he's going to be better as the season moves along here. So, I mean, there's that aspect of it. On top of that, I don't know if Cole Perfetti has a whole lot to prove at the AHL level, which is hilarious seeing that he's 20 years old and, and most kids don't start playing in the AHL until after that. But it, it sure seems to me like he's figured that league out and he's on route to trying to figure out how to be successful at the NHL level. I, I just don't think he's looked out of place at all so far. And sometimes, you know, there's a, a bit of debate as to whether or not a young kid looks out of place, can't handle the speed, can't handle the pace, can't handle the physicality of NHL players. But to me, Perfetti looks like he belongs. And if you didn't mention his age, you would say he looks like just about any other regular NHLer out there. So, I mean, you take those two factors into it. But even when it comes to, I guess, maybe the most important aspect of all this, and that's, are the Jets utilizing the full power of Cole Perfetti's ELC by playing him nine games and burning that first year this season. Because again, if the Jets sit him down to the boost for the rest of the year, you get three years of essentially $925,000 of a cap hit when Cole Perfetti hits the ice. That That's a very valuable tool. And I totally get that. But I just don't think that really helps the Winnipeg Jets a whole lot. Because when you look at the contracts they have right now, it really is all about maximizing, I guess, this two-year window after this season, right? Three years down the road, things could potentially change in a major, major way for this organization because you'll have Connor Hellebuck's deal expiring, Mark Shifley's deal expiring, Blake Wheeler's deal as well. Nikolai Ehlers will be pretty close to unrestricted free agency at that point, right? Like, things, things are going to change in a big, big way Three years down the road, I don't know if you necessarily need to earmark Cole Perfetti's ELC for that specific time. There's a lot less urgency in that. Whereas these upcoming couple of seasons, I mean, this is make or break time for the Winnipeg Jets. And what happens this season, it doesn't really matter. Cole Perfetti's still going to be on an ELC these upcoming two seasons. And if anything on top of it, you want Cole Perfetti to get a little more experience, figure things out at the NHL level this year so that when he comes to camp for this upcoming season, the next year, he's going to be really good to go, and he's going to provide even more value on that $925,000 cap hit. Plus, with how well he's played of late, you know what? Maybe you don't want to push that ELC to next season because then he gets, you know, a little bit more time and he'll have more games more production to back up a potential big-time payday once he comes up to the negotiating table for the first time as an RFA. So for me, when I look at this, whether it's the present, whether it's the future, I just don't see a whole lot of benefit from the Winnipeg Jets side of things to pushing Cole Perfetti's ELC one more season. And on top of it, and really the main thing in all this is, for a team that is, you know, pretty much declared that they're all in, it's playoffs or bust. It's time to get back to being a contending team. Sending Cole Perfetti down makes this club a worse hockey team. And I think you need to bite the bullet, you know, even if it isn't biting the bullet, but I think you need to kind of make that declaration that, you know what? We're not worried about cap savings right now. We're not worried about that three years down the road. We need to get this kid into the lineup and playing significant minutes because first and foremost, he makes the team better 
and the Jets have a better chance of making the playoffs with Cole Perfetti in the lineup. So a decision, I guess, will officially be made sometime next week, but I would hate, hate to see the message being sent that cap savings in the future is more important than having a young kid play and develop and help his team win at the NHL level right now. So hopefully the Jets do the right thing. And I'll tell you what, if he's playing 16, 17 minutes a night, I don't think the AHL is going to be in the offing anytime soon for Mr. Cole Perfetti. So something to keep an eye on. We'll touch back on that at the end of next week. Finally, as we wrap things up here, like I mentioned, a brutal stretch of games coming up for the Winnipeg Jets before we return for our next episode. Boston Saturday afternoon, followed by a matchup Pittsburgh Sunday afternoon. It feels like these two places have been graveyards for the Jets in the past as well. So, I mean, there's that ominous tone on top of it. But very likely that Connor Hellebuck can't play, and I don't think he should play both games of this back-to-back, especially with the schedule being so condensed, so many games upcoming here. I think it's imperative, especially with the travel, although it's not a ton of travel, but with all that into consideration here that Connor Hellebuck gets one of these nights off, even if it means giving Mikhail Burden his first NHL action. So there's a chance that in one of these games, the Jets are going to be playing their third string goalie. And on top of it, they're going to be underdogs going into both of these contests because Boston and Pittsburgh have basically been the same teams this year that they have been for the past 10 or so years. The Jets will get a bit of a break Saturday because I, I don't imagine Brad Marchand's going to be in the lineup. If you saw Thursday night, took a hit into the boards, couldn't lift his arm up as the Bruins scored to celebrate. So for me, there's there's really no way Marchand gets into the lineup. But other than that, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see the matchup and how the Jets stack up both against the Bruins and the Penguins because both of these teams are so freaking well coached and they're so solid when it comes to their systems, their positioning, and their structure. They are just very, very difficult teams to break down. And we all know the Jets have had problems in those three areas, especially recently. And I'm intrigued to see it. It might very well be a, a case study in how the Jets can improve going forward when you watch the way that the Bruins play defense, when you watch the way that the Penguins play inside their own zone, smothering you in the neutral zone, and then carrying that into an aggressive style of play, forechecking in the offensive zone as well. It is going to be a brutal, brutal back-to-back for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, hey, four points is always great. Three would be outstanding. This might be a situation where if you're the Jets, you take the split, and then you try and make hay with some home games upcoming in late January, and basically the entire month of February. But that's where we're going to leave it for today's episode Like I mentioned, we're back at it on Tuesday, and we'll break down the back-to-back set on the road, Boston-Pittsburgh, that the Jets have upcoming here. That'll get going in our next episode on Tuesday. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Enjoy your weekend, and stay safe, everybody. Peace.